Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgustings, Dead Pixels, horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Boat. And this week we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the remake of the original Resident Evil, which was released in Japan on March 22nd, 2002. Not only bringing the survival horror PlayStation Classic to a brand new audience, but showing the potential and importance of remakes through graphical updates and additional content that was not present in the original game. So Neil, when we started this uh, endeavor of Safe Room, the first episode that we recorded was on Resident Evil and the franchise and it having another anniversary. Um, so it's exciting to kind of get to hone in on one of the earlier Resident Evil titles, one that uh, holds great significance for both of us. So I think it's only fitting that we start with what was your first experience with Resident Evil all those years ago uh, and what sort of stood out about the original from some of the other games you were playing at the time? Yeah, so as we discussed it before, but obviously we appreciate that you know, not everyone's heard that episode necessarily. So just to recap, I played the original Resident Evil a bit around a friend's house who had rented it for the weekend on his PlayStation because I, I couldn't afford one at that time. And it was just so different to everything I'd played before, seen before in video games. You know, I was still playing Mega Drive games, you know, I was playing Streets of Rage, Sonic the Hedgehog. That was my, you know, gaming life, so to speak. And here was this thing that was like, wow, here's something more extreme just as I'm getting into films that have a bit more gore and violence in them and it was eye-opening and it just felt like it felt tough and brutal in much you know in a way that many people attribute to from software games now it's not necessarily that they are difficult it's just there's a presence to it that makes you feel like you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time with this and that, that everything is against you and not in the normal game sense at that point, where many games were still tied into the idea of um, coin-op ideas, you know, where you know, the games are manipulating your time by giving you limited lives and making everything really hard and so you're going to die because the original concept was that you would have to put more money in to keep playing. And so that sort of carried on for a few years into gaming. And here... There's a little of that, but it feels like a reinvention of it. And that was so cool to me anyway. And I was really appreciating zombies as a thing. But, yeah, for me, the first time I really fell in love for the franchise was Resident Evil 2. Before I even got PlayStation, I was looking through magazines for a guide for it. Like, they did like a screen by screen by screen thing of this whole thing. And I, I obsessed over that thing for months before I got to play it. And, yeah, the, that just became one of my favourite games ever as a result because I was just so into everything it was doing it, it was copying a lot of the directors I, whose work I enjoyed and it was just fantastic So, and you know, like many people in the, the horror industry who like games Resident Evil is very important in one way or another You know, and everyone's entry point is different as a result and that was like my weird entry point you know, to sort of be casually introduced to it a bit kind of fits most of my horror introductions like I always said before like the Terminator was like my first sort of oh wow this is 
what the hell is this sort of thing, you know, something that scares me sort of film, and catching that um, late night showing of it, it on the TV by sneaking downstairs one night and, and catching the bit just where they blow the tanker and the, the exoskeleton rises out of the rubble afterwards and how much that tiny scrap impacted me and what I wanted to see in films for years afterwards without even seeing the whole film and it was similar with that with Resident Evil for me that just having this little taste of it and just seeing like up to the dogs smashing through the windows and that was it you know it, it just I needed to know more and you know at the time I had no way to see more because I had limited hardware and it it feels in this modern day and age that feels very hard to replicate but it it, it was just such a powerful moment for me how about you what, what got you into it yeah so I kind of had Resident Evil 1 ruined for me back in the day because I started with 2 and then went to 3 just because I was always playing you know because of my age but also like I didn't have the funds to really finance games when I was growing up and so I was always playing catch up and by the time I wanted to get into Resident Evil, the copies of Resident Evil 1 on PlayStation were scarce. So I went to the next most readily available entry in the series, which at that time was number two. And then, of course, what am I going to follow with? Well, number three. And then by the time I came back to Resident Evil 1, I was like, oh, I could found a copy at a yard sale or whatever, GameStop for cheap. Yeah. And by the time I went back... I was expecting something to be so akin to Resident Evil 2 and 3, which doesn't make much sense. But again, you know, for you got to forgive me. I was very young and dumb. Not that I'm <laughs> smarter now, but it's the type of thing where I was expecting a much larger scaled experience. I was expecting something with a little more emphasis on combat that maybe not to say that 2 and 3 were easy, but, you know, compared to the original, I still find that like resources were a little more plentiful in these things. Yeah. And, it was more, a little bit more action-focused or there was more co- emphasis on combat, whereas in the original one, like you had said, it was very uh, an apt comparison in terms of comparing it to something, a hardcore experience like a FromSoft game. Going backwards, it was an experience that was so much more difficult at that period of time. I was kind of like, well, I'd rather play something that's more akin to the second and third one, uh, which is probably why at that point, Inevitably, when Resident Evil 4 came out, I gravitated to that so much because yes. at that period of my life, it was more action-oriented. It still is dabbling very much in horror, but in a gameplay style that's more in line with what I was playing at the time. But even still, even though Resident Evil 1 initially did not click with me back in the day when PlayStation, it was the type of thing, though, that I was still very impressed with and taken by the fact that it was so in line with the types of movies I was watching at that time period and it wasn't necessarily gameplay wise didn't click with me but aesthetically and the different types of monsters and creatures and things that you would encounter were very much in line with what i was watching and that was rare you know violence in video games is not a new thing and even horror games was not a new thing but a lot of the games i was playing at the time were more sci-fi focused i'm thinking like of the halos or i was playing more violent games like gta or something like that but finding a horror series that was more in line with a lot of the stuff that I was sneaking downstairs to watch or I was recording at the time on VHS and things like that when my parents were asleep. It was just, I was very taken with the fact that I wasn't very good at it and it was very challenging at the time, but it was in line with the what I was into at that period of time, which if anything now, like I think speaks to the importance of things like remakes and remasters, which we'll get into, but 
that was when I really got to dive into Resident Evil 1 the way that I think it should be experienced. And I think that, you know, it's not a stretch to say that, like, the remake of Resident Evil 1 is probably the preferred way that people should experience it, right? And we'll get into a lot of the uh, additions and changes that were made uh, that, you know, a lot of time, I think nowadays, like, remakes and uh, remasters are much more frequent. So there's a lot more fear involved in the sense of like, well, are they going to change too much? Are they go- are there going to be so many modern day amenities to this that it no longer resembles what I used to love about the original? Um, and that was something we sort of touched upon a little bit when we chatted about Quake over the summer, yeah. right? When you had that remaster come out, it was the idea that I had never played the original Quake and you obviously were very familiar with it. But at the end of the day, we both were able to enjoy it because I was able to enjoy it for the sense that it still resembled somewhat of the original product, right? It still played very much the same. The essence of Quake in and of itself had not been uh, manipulated or perverted, for lack of a better word. Um, And you, as somebody that had played it, you found that it played exactly the same, but it was touched up just enough that it rounded out a little bit of those rough edges, but not to the degree that it didn't, it no longer aesthetically resembled and you know Quake specifically that game was so monumental not only from the gameplay perspective but also in the way that it looked and the different influences and genre and otherwise that it had and so the remake of Resident Evil I think is really something special and I'm excited to chat with you about a lot of the changes that you know I didn't necessarily pick up on because I was not nearly as familiar with it but at the same time, it ended up being an experience that I have returned to now multiple times. Yeah. And it's an experience that would be the de facto one that I would recommend to people. Um, so for you, like, what are some of the improvements that altered the original framework, but altered them for the better and without turning Resident Evil into something that no longer resembled the original? I think it's, generally speaking, it's the expansion of what was there. You know, it, it matured the game beyond what we had in 2, 3, and Code Veronica. You know, and the GameCube version offered up this, you know, at the time, mind-blowing levels of visuals. You know. it, 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 it's a game that still stands out today because of those fixed cameras. As much as people used to complain about them, God, do they not do the best work. You know, I mean, you can argue Remake looks better than 4. You know, or five, or even six, because it just holds such a steady, consistent tone, you know, throughout. And because the beauty of the original Resident Evil is that it has this very singular location and keeps within it, it has less worry about, you know, having to go here, there, and everywhere. And, you know, the, out of all the game, you know, the games that have been remade, it's the one that could afford to you know it's the only one that's done more i feel with its remake out of any of them so far you know it and key to that comes to having most of the same team coming back to it to sort of re-energize and revitalize and do what they couldn't do with the technology they had at the time and that's why i think it's such an effective remake it is because it's not made just because like now where it's like everyone wants a remake to this game so we're going to make it because like that it it was made because the people who'd made the original were like we'd like to make that game again but with the benefit of a few years experience and ideas and understanding and 
what we could do for future games. And so, yeah, that that ends up being the overlying thing for me, that every change that's in here ends up being a consistent and coherent part of the whole. You know, to me, it feels like the definitive version. You know, everything about it, people care about the stuff they added. You, You think about Lisa Trevor, which, you know, was not a factor of the original game. Here, it's so integral and people care about that character's inclusion in things and you know I mean it got included in the Welcome to Raccoon City movie badly but it did you know get included and <laughs> uh, so now you know looking back with the remix we've had it feels very much more in keeping with that side of the universe of it and yeah it just it's fantastic the little tweaks and changes and, and expectations you know that you have from the original version if I had to pick one point out and I know it's a very contentious point because some people absolutely hate it but the Crimson Heads are probably the thing that do it for me most I think because it throws up a real surprise and a change to zombies at that point where I mean this is before 28 Days Later you know where the idea and the Dawn of the Dead remake where you had the idea of fast zombies and just to have that out of the blue was like what the fuck you know like suddenly having these corpses you put down get up not only do they get up again that they come at you faster and deadlier you know in an era where you know the internet's not really spoiling as much for you because you know it's a very limited tool it was you know panchettingly like what the fuck like I don't like you know Doing something very new and interesting, you know, with that, and as divisive as that is, it, it really just made sense to me that you'd have little surprises like that. But what about you? What, what sort of stood out for you? Well, I think the you mentioned Crimson Head is a perfect place for me to start in that that element. And you know, granted, I am not as well versed in you know Resident Evil '96 and yeah. the original version of it as others were, but to me. The Crimson Heads are the perfect example of a surprise that you can put into a remake of something that doesn't feel shoehorned in. It doesn't feel like it is foreign to the overall design of the game. It feels perfectly in line with it in that it's building upon an enemy type that's already been established in the game. And it's throwing the player a genuine surprise. The first time, like you had mentioned, that was a pants-shitting moment. The first time I was rerunning through a room... And it stands up, and not only is it running at me now, which outside of the dogs and the hunters, which are much later in the game, like, there are not a lot of fast enemies in the remake. And so to have that thing run at you after you thought it was dead, and then it hits a hell of a lot harder, that's not only a surprise that is more than just, like, some type of cheap jump scare, but tactically, this is a new threat that the first time you encounter that you're almost unsure if, like, you're able to combat it. Because if if this is the surprise, then are your weapons going to be adequate enough? Oh, I left my shotgun. I wasn't expecting to have a bigger enemy to fight or something of that extent. Um, So I think that that is a perfect example of incorporating an enemy type and evolving on it, but also in showing that in remakes, you can include new content that maybe initially feels foreign but when you stop and think about it it's just building upon already well-established mechanics in a way that is influencing the gameplay and if anything it gives a second wind to all of those environments that you've already 
been exploring. At that point, think about how often you've been returning to the same rooms over and over. And if you're like me and have a tendency to get lost, uh, you can kind of like get a little burnt out on that almost. Or you start to be like, okay, fuck, now I got to go to the other side of the house because I forgot this one thing and this and that. And all of a sudden you throw in this new combat threat that comes out of nowhere. It's a curveball essentially. And it's a new type of threat, but also from a gameplay perspective, it's engaging again, this area that I've now run through however many dozens of times. And I would think that that is the natural solution to avoiding players ever feeling like the gameplay loop is starting to get rather tiresome or something to that extent. It's the idea that you're able to revitalize areas that they are so familiar with now that they know the entire layout of, but all of a sudden they're going to throw this threat at you that you weren't expecting. And, you know, I guess I don't, you would probably have more insight into why that's a contentious point. But for me, that's some, that's a element of the game that I think speaks to the reason why you would want remakes. You want to be able to not only have an experience that resembles the original for people that have never played it, but you're giving something to people that are fans of the game that want something more than just maybe a graphical updating, obviously. If you're a fan of the original, you're going to want to see like the gorgeous new graphics for it. But at the same time, maybe you almost the developers almost owe it, I think, to players in a certain extent to give them that surprise and something that at the end of the day does not fundamentally rewrite the experience. It is very much a footnote amongst other footnotes of changes that they've made. And, you know, it facilitates a new facet of combat in a way that you know, with you having to, like, burn the enemies, right? I think you have to use the kerosene tanks to light them on fire to ensure they stay dead this time, which at that point is, and you'd mentioned a couple of uh, the Dawn of the Dead and 28 Days Later, we're starting to see the understanding of the potential of zombies or an evolution on the expectations of zombies beginning to shift. So that just seems like a natural development from a video game standpoint, uh, which I think, if anything, it after becoming so familiar with the Spencer Mansion and maybe getting a little overly comfortable with things, it really does give you sort of a check and being like, hey, there could be more surprises around the corner, which then all of a sudden really does ratchet up the intensity again for me in a way that I think it eludes some horror games or, you know, it's that age old problem with horror where it's like, well, if you show off the monster too early, all of a sudden it's not going to be scary Mm -hmm. by the third act. If anything, for this, it's almost as if the monster returns to the shadows and the player is guessing the potential that could be around the corner. Yeah. Um, So what I like about this the most, I think, is that you then double down on the idea of avoidance. That that you don't, Mm. you know, you're already being told by how little ammo you have that you shouldn't be trying to kill every damn thing anyway. But now here comes a situation where, like, if you do and you do it in the wrong place, you are basically setting yourself up to be ambushed, going for a very routine area and wasting more bullets down the line. So where you can, you try to avoid those fights once you learn about them. And you go, okay, now I'll just go past, go past. But there are times where the game forces you almost to, to take them on, and they're the ones where you have to sort of micromanage because, you know, you can't burn them all. It just isn't feasible. Right. And it's about remembering where they are and all that, and it's just work when you're already trying to do other work in trying to escape. So yeah, it adds a real strategic layer to everything you've already been doing, and 
really adds that extra threat level to zombies, you know, which, you know, at that point, already getting used a lot, and they're like, okay, we get it, yeah, zombies, blah, blah. People were getting sick of zombies, as they were in those games, because they were all so basic, you know, compared to all the things that came after it in Resident Evil. So having this new layer to it really was a key part of that remake and and really did you know much like Resident Evil itself in the first place added another layer to how zombies were perceived in popular media and that that's great that's exactly what those games don't get enough credit for you know people talk about the films that did that in the two uh, in the mid 2000s but really it's Resident Evil and, and all the things it did in those what six seven years before those films to sort of shift and change and evolve that thing of like you can have both you can have the reintroduction of the old zombies and you know that shuffle around and groan and then you can have the new ones that do all these frightening things and it's fantastic right right up until the point of Resident Evil 4 where it it throws even more curveballs in there and uh, with that you've got to love it You, you just have to love that change and doesn't I get why people didn't like it at the time because you know that that was like sacrilege to sort of no zombies must be this they must be that you know like that and it adds annoyance maybe to areas where you don't want and busy work if you have a particular play style but I, I just found it really exciting you know and, and just makes the you know any enemy from the ground up can be a real threat you know, it's not as much as you can just run past them in most situations eventually you are going to get put in that situation I mean one of the early boss fights is against like the head version of that you know and mm. um, so you, you cannot truly avoid having that that conversation <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> yeah it, it's so integral to everything else the game does I think yeah and you know an element that you mentioned that I want to return to is the overall design of the Spencer Mansion, right, is that overall it follows a very familiar framework to the original, and yet they have these additions and these new areas that, while I am not nearly as well-versed in the original layout, at the same time, though, all of the new additions feel so naturally intrinsic to that layout. In a way, like the graveyard section, of course, the entire Lisa Trevor uh, section and the catacombs or the cave down below and whatnot, it all feels like a natural part. And very much so, it feels like content that they had originally planned for the original game, but, you know, for this, that or the other, it didn't get included. But it all feels like a natural continuation of the original game. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is clearly an area that got added or this is so aesthetically different whether it be the layout type or the types of ways in which they are evoking some other kind of like macabre horror atmosphere and things like that everything feels so perfectly in line with the core identity of that original mansion that it this in and of itself just feels like a natural continuation of that um, in a way that felt very exciting in terms of like okay well I'm going to explore this area now that, again, much like with the Crimson Heads, there's this element of surprise or the unexpected that could be there. Yeah. Even if, you know, by and large, the overall experience is fairly faithful. Um, at the same time, though, you have these new little pockets of experiences that you don't know what to expect. And while 
they don't redefine any of the experience really other than you know the lore aspect of it it just feels like more of what you want if you're a fan of Resident yeah. Evil and it feels exciting and I think that you're mentioning uh, Lisa Trevor's inclusion in Welcome to Raccoon City the film like yeah it might not have been the best representation but it's part of the more mainstream lore of Resident yeah. Evil right and I think that that's something that's important is that the games themselves they can go back and they can it might not always be the best uh, tying it into the other games in the franchise and things like that but you start to have more of that lore that only hardcore fans used to know about that now is becoming more of the general consciousness of Resident Evil, which is exciting. You know, I mm. think that's a really cool aspect of the games and it bleeding into the films. If anything, it just I think that it lends itself to potentially being represented on screen in a way that's exciting or seeing it come in certain characters or plot developments, maybe pop up in future games or something to that extent. Granted, you always hope that they are a little bit better than uh, the example in Raccoon, Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah, but that's, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast, that one. <laughs> right, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but at least that toolbox has been expanded thanks to, partially, you know, the remake and things of yeah. that nature. Yeah, absolutely. I would liken this to the remake craze that was going on in horror at that time. Which you, know, the, you think of the Platinum Dune style horror films, you know, where like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that were remade. And it had that feel to it where there was a meaner streak where something might have felt goofier before, you know, just by the passage of time. I think it's felt more here just because of the way games evolved at that point in such a frightening fashion, you know. You think this is six years out from the original version of the game and it's such a leap you know it's like it, it, I always liken the leap of Metal Gear Solid to Metal Gear Solid 2 it's like three four years and you look at the difference between them you go how you know like if in movie you, in movies things you know didn't move like that there, there were these progressions but visually speaking you see such a difference you're like this is ridiculous that you know how quickly we we got to this point and you know while they've hit a plateau in so many ways in recent years then it just it blew you away to think that this is you know effectively the same game and credit to what they did it still feels very much like resident evil you know it is very much that game in heart and spirit and in look but so much better you know it just it's great that they made it that game still whilst being so distinguishedly different to that I think a great example of that in terms of them evolving the gameplay in a way that is fundamentally different than the original and yet it feels so in line with the sensibilities of the original at the same time which would be those defensive items right when you get grabbed by an enemy you can either use uh, the knife a taser or flash grenade that essentially like saves the player from getting bit yeah. one more additional time or something to that extent. But that's something that the player probably always wished they had in the original, right? And that could very easily be something that's implemented that then becomes like a crutch that could have made the remake so much easier to play than the original. And, you know, I'm not going to compare 
difficulties between the two, but at the same time, the implementation of that is not done so that it ever becomes a crutch. Like, those defensive items are very few and far between spread out through the mansion. You know, it obviously differs based on the difficulty you're playing, but at the same time, it never gets to the point where you're running around and you've got like seven or eight knives or anything like that. It never becomes something that fundamentally undercuts the original challenge of the original game. Um, if anything, it allows you to save yourself one extra little chunk of health or something to that extent before you go to a boss fight or something like that. But you still have to be sparing in your use of them and you can't over rely on anything no. because if you decide, oh, I'll waste it here and then you run to the next room and there's three enemies now instead of one that you wasted it on. Um, just implementing new gameplay evolutions that don't fundamentally rewrite the approach, but they give the player another option. But you can't over-rely or abuse that option because otherwise you're going to be just as screwed as if you didn't have it. Um, and I think that little implementations like that are so key to you know, appeasing the new era of gamers that are coming to that or it doesn't matter what game you're talking about, right? I think that any game that's being remade has to make slight concessions to appease what people expect of more modern games, again, while not fundamentally rewriting the original experience. Because if this could have been something that could have been used every other room, right? If you yeah. kind of inundate the player with this new option, then all of a sudden you're like, well... This is going to fundamentally rewrite the original Resident Evil experience, which then becomes a detriment to the experience and not really living up to the identity of the original. Yeah, I mean, you think of um, the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes, where you can purchase a key to basically unlock everything you know, if, right. if you want, You know, which you know, great for accessibility, great for people who just want to play it, you know, game through it for the atmosphere and the story. But, you know, it feels very odd when you, you compare these things as remakes to the original content, where this feels like it's trying to understand an audience that has grown and, you know, is needing something a bit different. But it's still not giving in to the idea that it should be easier, necessarily. I mean, it, it got made a little easier with the HD remaster that they got, you know, where they changed the controls over a little bit. You could do it different ways and stuff like that, but even then, it's still brutal and complex and ambiguous where it matters. Whereas you go for those games, everything, you know, Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes, as good as they are, they're very much more signposted and you would fail to get lost in the same way. You know, it it's interesting that you know I've been playing you know Elden Ring, you know, and it reminds me of that attitude from twenty years ago that they had, which was like, you can do this, you you can make a game that is unfriendly in so many ways, but also has just that little bit, just has a little bit to it that makes you encourages people to sort of try and explore and push out outside the boundaries a little bit and explore something that maybe they wouldn't have liked if they didn't try and that's exactly how that remake felt then you know and it it feels alarming to sort of realize how far we are from that 
you know, with not just this, but a lot of horror games in the mainstream, you will just have an accessible game and while you can play it harder, you can play it, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like it's traditionally sort of hard like it used to be or, or challenging. It just feels like, oh no, this does more damage, etc, etc. That's it. It just it feels that ends up feeling like the tacton aspect yeah, of the game rather than what it is now. So, you know, it, it's an interesting sort of dilemma to have but um, I think, as we said before, the key being here is it, it was a bunch of people who'd worked on the original game and wanted to improve upon it whilst not sacrificing too much. Some of those modern concessions in terms of like updated controls, you have that 180 quick turn. Those are the types of changes that, you know, maybe more hardcore fans of the original were not as pleased mm. with because you could say, well, if I can 180 quick turn like that, then I'm easier to read, I'm more reactive then. Cause, but for somebody like me that was playing more modern games at the time that never went back and replayed the original, it's the type of thing that I still found the game to be incredibly difficult when I played it. Yeah. But it still functioned in the way that I thought or that I was maybe wired to expect games to at that period because of what I was playing at the time. Um, and it, it was the type of thing that while it was still very difficult at points, it still never devolved into like, this is too difficult, I have to stop. Because it always felt at that point that it was like, well, no, I just have to make certain alterations to whether I'm carrying the right equipment or if I need to go explore over here or scavenge for this resource or that resource. It never felt like I was fighting against the game in an artificial way. Or it never felt like they were continuing an element that felt far too aged out at that point because if it you know there's the option of course to play with classic controls but it was the type of thing where I was going to play with the more updated or more attuned to how modern games at that period were playing or controlling um, in a way that you know I don't know if that's more accessible but it felt more inviting to the stand to the style of games that I was playing yeah. and in that and of itself I think is a strength in not allowing the remake or future remasters for that matter to feel alien to a new generation or to people that didn't have access to the original version at that point or something to that extent, you know, with like the digital marketplace for, I'm thinking of the PlayStation store for PS3 and all of that. Now you can't, I believe you can't buy a lot of those PS1 classic games. No. Or there isn't a way to play no, it. No, this is, it's crazy about it. You know, the Vita effectively remains the way to play it. You know, a system that again came out 10 years ago and is uh, obsolete at this point. So it's unfortunate that that's crazy that you, you can't play those games otherwise illegally speak and remakes should never take the place of the original right. you know I mean, we don't have that in in film we don't have that in music or even books you know we don't have people reinterpreting something and then saying well this is the version now this is all you get you know because we, we can be bothered with keeping the other, the old version updated you know it, I understand why it's harder in this because games were made in the moment and there wasn't really much thought of the long-term processes of that, and in many cases, we discussed this with um, Silent Hill 2, you know, where they didn't properly preserve it, and 
mistreated what it was and ended up with not having the code they needed to ever make that game again properly. You know, so it's fallen into the hands of people who are outside that company to sort of try and do that job. And we don't want that. We, we want to be able to experience those older games as they were and see the new version. It, it doesn't hurt anyone to have both, you know, to have their both versions. And I, I hope Capcom will see that in time where, you know, we can do that. Weirdly, Konami are better at that than Capcom. In most cases, you know, you see what they do with, like, uh, the Castlevania stuff, you know, where they, they mm-hmm. bring out the old games and show them off and say, here you go, this is what this is, this is. But yeah, Capcom's hit-miss with that. You know, they'll do it with Mega Man, because Mega Man's never been better than back then. Mm. But, pff, yeah, with anything else, they're, they're very haphazard with, with what they do, and you kind of hope that maybe that's the next step for them where they go, yeah, okay, we can provide it. But it depends on the platforms too. You know, because especially with this franchise, the original version needs to be on places like PlayStation because it was never anywhere else like that it's currently about, you know, and yeah, get it out there. Legacy content like that is so important. You know, the historical value it shouldn't just be the odd physical copy out here that, or the odd Vita co- copy that <laughs> only a few people can use. Yeah, and you know, the PS3 was already a pain in the ass for so many things, so you don't really want to have that as your only way of playing it. You know? So we can live in hope that they will get better with that. But yeah, you need both versions out there. Absolutely. Or three versions, really, when you think about it, because the director's cut is also there. So, yeah, it's especially not just for this franchise, but for horror gaming in general to have that education available for people. Not just here, but say Silent Hill, Clock Tower, Alone in the Dark. So many of those games are available only on PC. You know, it would be so much better if we could just have a bit of all that, you know, to really trace the history of everything we've got to to this point. Yeah, this is something that is very frustrating for somebody like me that didn't get to play a lot of these now classical survival horror games in that, like something like Clock Tower, I don't know if I'll ever be able to play that or something to that extent. Um, and, you know, obviously thinking about finding a legal version of it but you know there's (laughs) options out there and whatnot but at the same time i don't like i don't hesitate to mention that just because it's like well if they're not going to do proper preservation of media which is important you know from an accessibility standpoint but a historical standpoint as well it's like well so y'all are just forcing us basically then at that point Mm. to seek out other means and whatnot and it's the type of thing where more options are always beneficial to consumers. So the idea also like the idea that a remake or a remaster is going to replace rather than complement, it comes down to preference. Yeah. Right. And that's why options are so important. It's like, yeah, for us, the remake is the definitive version of Resident Evil, but that shouldn't impact other people's decisions or preferences, right? No. Obviously. I mean, it's such an obvious thing to say, but at the same time, like some people seem to be so threatened or the their nostalgia is threatened by remakes and remasters when it's like, no, it's just giving people more modern options yeah. for experiencing something. Yeah. And generally, when you have a studio, especially in this instance, that's so well-versed in the game that they're remaking, 
The idea that they were going to ever make a version of it that is foreign to the original experience is nonsensical. You know, granted, moving forwards and you have studios that come in that have no involvement in the original. I think of uh, the, I think it's called, what is it, 13? Yeah. That first person shooter uh, game that was remade either last year or a couple years ago that didn't resemble the original product at all. Like, yeah, that's an indication of a developer that's not well versed in it that was like, well, let's come in and try to create something new out of this for a new audience. And then it lacks that core DNA. That was never going to be an instance with Resident Evil because, of course, the original developer was there. And, you know, that's a dream scenario, right? Is that you get the original people there that know that game from the ground up. And we might have been spoiled with that, but I think that it just proves that, you know, more options are always beneficial to the consumer. Um, And I think when they're deciding from a production standpoint to remake something... If anything, like one of the big reasons why the remake is my preferred version is that they went back and they re-recorded the audio and they tweaked some of the lines of dialogue and things like that. And, you know, I think in the first episode that we did talking about Resident Evil, uh, the franchise's anniversary, the first game when I had played it on PlayStation, another reason that I bounced off of it was just that for me, you know, I don't necessarily like have a problem with B-movie cheesiness, but in the context of that game, that did not work for me just because, you know, it's so difficult. And then every time I would have one of those, like, you know, the Jill sandwich moment or whatever, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, this is kind of like pulling me, sucking me out of the atmosphere that I love so much of Spencer Mansion a majority of the time. And yeah, it's cutesy when you want to clip it in memes and stuff like that, or little videos or whatever. But when I was sitting down to play it, it just, it took me out of the experience in a way that kind of like irked me. And that's a, that's a me thing. That's not for everybody. Yeah. There's plenty of people that appreciate it for that. Yeah, but yeah, say so if you, you come to it late, it, it's not going to be the same, and that's true of right. any media that people are going to have a more modern lens on things because yeah. that, that's the way time works, and you, you can't help that. And yeah, if you're not in the moment or something like that, then you are going to be like, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, memes, 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 but. What, what about the game sort of thing uh, it's, and having that remake out there makes it all the more apparent you know that, that you can do better with this and even then it was this idea of like still not being like it's not like it, it suddenly becomes Shakespeare in the park it, it really does just sort <laughs> of like it levels it up to being an actual sort of B-movie level of dialogue rather than what what is often Z-grade stuff, you know, in the original version. (laughs) And so it feels much more genuine and authentic, and it's not something to laugh at. It's more of like, okay, you know, I can get into this. You know, I can appreciate this whole thing as the pulpy, schlocky thing it is. And that was really well sort of put across in, like, the adaptations that they did for novels and stuff for this, you know, where they leaned into this very schlocky conspiracy theory style story behind everything and made it this big old adventure and I love that you know that was before I think Remake ever came out and that felt felt like like perfect jumping point between the old idea and the new idea so yeah you you can do that better and and this shows that and the original game 
you know, you can't just hide it away because you're worried about people thinking like that. You know, it's like have it there to show the jump in technology and how you can better certain parts of an original idea and why, you know, even despite what we're saying, there is stuff in the original game that is raw and focused and hungry that in a way that you can't quite replicate with the remake because games had already moved on so much by that point. Well, if you erase the past, then you don't get to see that growth from any of the things that you yeah. just detailed. And if anything, the more, I guess, mature, but it's just the more refined tone of the storytelling and the dialogue in the remake really does then lift up that Lisa Trevor inclusion in that this is a game that has a much more depressing, I think, take on it rather than, you know, obviously the game, does the original does not delve nearly as far into the rabbit hole of conspiracy no. and the mega corporation as the later games do. But in the original, like, I don't think that that Lisa Trevor chapter could have worked nearly as well or been as emotionally charged in the original game when you have those kind of like very cheesy schlocky bits yeah. that it's just like well sure it might have been a standout but overall tonally it would have felt very foreign to it whereas in redoing that element in the original or sorry in the remake it just gives it that much more weight in a way that the original would have never been able to do and it yeah. makes for one of the more memorable parts of the original Re of the Resident Evil remake for me now mm -hmm. and it's a standout moment and whatnot and shows just that and if anything it you know they wouldn't go on to do anything nearly that maybe that emotionally charged like I'd said in any of the subsequent games after the remake until you get back to something like seven that really tries to rein things in a little bit and make it this much more personable plight for the protagonist and something that's a lot darker and carries more weight to it yeah um, even if you know of course all the Resident Evil games have uh, their monster mashup moments and the like but it's the type of games that I think are the type of storytelling or the type of character investment that I'm more interested in. So to see that evolution and them sticking with that in the more recent Resident Evils, that's a positive that comes out of adding something to the originals. But at the same time, being cognizant of the fact that you're not erasing the past, even if, you know, if these things are not preserved, that could very well happen. Uh, unfortunately, which, you know, is obviously a, uh, a worry the longer that we move away from having such readily available legal means to play those original versions of those games. Yeah, and it, it feels kind of weird that the ones that probably could do with the remakes and uh, more accessibility in them don't have it. Like, Code Veronica is, like, key to that you know where I think mm. that game would so much benefit from being tweaked and changed a little bit you know even if you kept the same game just just to make it more accessible because if you didn't grow up with Resident Evil that game is a beast it's horrible hard and you have to have a real appreciation for Euro horror you know to, to mm. get the most out of it because it, it does tonally feel a bit different from the games that came before it. You know, I never obviously twigged at the time because it was before I'd ever seen any of his films, but it had such a Fulci-esque vibe to those early games and that was key to it, you know, and Code Veronica was very much a bit of that as well, but also had very Argento sort of thing to it as well. And yeah, yeah, 
I loved it then, and I think that's why I ended up loving the films of both those directors afterwards, because of that game. But as a game to play, it's very unpleasant. You know, these days, even these days, you know, that's from someone like me who absolutely adores that game. You know, I think it could do with that rejig and so you know, it goes both ways is what we can say here is that as much as it's nice to try and bring back the old versions of the game or had the old versions of games available for people to play some of them could do with some sprucing you know yeah and I think I would be the perfect uh, audience for a a remake of that game because you know I tried to play that and I got about two hours in and I was like man I'm hitting a wall and I've got so much other stuff to play for <laughs> you know work or podcast or whatever that I was just like well, I'll come back to it. And the real, I mean, the reality is I'm not going to probably for a good long while, but it's a game that I'm intrigued by because of many of the things that you've said in terms of it feeling maybe tonally different or having a direction that might make it feel an outlier from a lot of the mainstream yeah. Resident Evil entries and whatnot. Um, but it's the type of thing that if they were to make a more modern version of that or add more modern amenities to that, it's the type of game that... I, I would dive into it's probably the one Resident Evil game that I would want to play the most for them to go back and like tweak and whatnot. Maybe that or uh, I think it was what was it Resident Evil Outbreak the co-op. Yeah, I mean, like, if we could, that was a great, <laughs> great concept that needs to be retweaked because that's that seems like a gold mine to me. Yeah. But anyways, I, mean, I think that ended up being like the progenitor of what Left for Dead would be, you know, in a very different way. Um, but the idea of co-op zombie games have shifted to be more action focused. And yeah, it would be cool if Capcom went back and did that properly. But yeah, they did, what was it? The, 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 uh, the one they did recently that came with Resident Evil 3. But that thing was mm-hmm. like more Dead by Daylight-esque, you know, in terms of like asymmetrical. But yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get that kind of game again because They've shown that any time they do a remake or a new version of a game series, it's never quite like it used to be. It's always very much right. with the modern idea in mind. So, yeah, well, that outbreak would be great, and it's a shame that it missed its point, but I think now we've really, really missed its point, you know, where that sort of game would work, because once again, the remakes, the remake of the game that really took that on, which is Resident Evil 2, is now like their, you know, tentpole thing that like no, this is where we set the marker for everything now. That not the original version, this version. So any version of Outbreak would be more like that than the original. And to be fair, I can see that why because to make Outbreak like it was was then and exciting and good, you'd have to have enjoyed Resident Evil back then. And, and, and I don't think it really works the same way in a modern format without feeling too much like everything else. One of the shames of the evolutions is that there's yeah. a, a reluctance to dig up the past, even if you know you are able to implement it in a way that feels more uh, modernly friendly. But I guess before we uh, round out, we should mention some of our favorite moments. And you know, I spent the week going back and uh, replaying the remake and yep. just sort of getting to re-experience something that I hadn't played in a handful of years. For So for you, like in revisiting it, what's still a moment from the remake that really stands out to you, whether it be amongst the series or just in the remake itself? Um, Neptune always gets me. Oh, I, I, mm. you know, sharp, having a sharp battle anyway is just terrifying, but the way that's handled in that game, you know, and how they just keep making it seem like any minute it's 
gonna just crash in on you and take you on is just terrifying no matter how many times i do it now knowing you know the permutations and how you can get around it it's still just like no 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 i i, I just can't take that i think any time that you encounter like a big version of an animal in that game it's strange in it, but it works really well mm-hmm. and i really just love that and just like any of those early resi games the the finales always feel special i love like the idea of timers and countdowns and like everything's going to shit and you've got it because it's it taps into that thing of alien aliens vibe you know like you know everyone's got you know one person's got to leave this place as soon as they can but also <laughs> they've got to do all this stuff in this time limit and it's like oh it, it just captures that perfectly this, it goes back to what i was saying earlier about how they evoked some of my favorite directors and films at the time and Resident Evil 2 especially was like that where I was like oh yes this this end portion really does feel like aliens you know and Resident Evil you know and the remake also do that really well and just does feel like a oh god I got to do this I got to survive that you know it's right down to the rooftop battle at the end you know where you are just doing that and surviving as long as you can until that rocket launcher gets dropped and oh yeah it's just I love it. Yeah, it, it's the perfect mix between like alien and Pred- aliens and predator, in how that sort of plays out. Yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. But yes, other than that, Neptune is just really intense to this date. You know, despite knowing how it goes. Also, I think isn't Neptune a great example of evolving on an experience from the original? Because I think in the original, it was just more of a straight up. You just you need to avoid him and then shoot it until it dies. But in the remake, it's more of a puzzle to kill it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Which I think is a really sort of ingenious way to evolve on something that was much more simplistic in the original. And if anything, it makes it a more memorable moment, in my opinion, because it's the way in which you kill that boss is that it's more tied to the overall drive of Resident Evil, which is like incorporating puzzles and thinking outside of the gun given how you know limited a lot of the resources are if anything that makes that battle much more memorable in my opinion yeah i mean like the original version is just like wimpy little out of water sharks by comparison then this sort of again subverts expectations by just saying no no, no mm. here's water and the big fuck off version of that shark you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah it, it, it just another one of those instances where you're like yeah this is perfect sort of pushing you outside the expectations of what, when you already played the original game. I think overall like just the creature feature from hell aspect of the original is something I would love to see implemented more in the Resident Evil you know the modern era of where we're at rather than you know of course with 7 and 8 I appreciate that there's a variety of bosses that you encounter and they are all sentient and they have their own personalities and whatnot. but I miss just, you know, these genetic mistakes yeah. that are just monsters at the end of the day that you can recognize them, but it's a horrific depiction of something that you're yeah. familiar with. I mean, um, and there's nothing not to say that, like, I don't appreciate, like, in Village where they have all these various monsters and they are, have all their own identities and whatnot. But there's something about, you know, just encountering a Plant 42 or a bunch of giant tarantulas or giant snakes that just, like, 
very much scratches that creature feature itch for me in a way that uh, I really enjoyed of the remake. Yeah, and um, again, this is another thing with the more recent remakes is that they kind of omit those or rush through them. You know, when they had those, like you know, the alligator scene in Resident Evil Two is like, yeah, as much as it was a Jaws ripoff in the old days. It was still like one of the most exciting things you know, in the game, and here it's in the remake. It's reduced to this sort of set piece, you know, like it was Uncharted mm-hmm. sort of thing. And you know, in three and two, the spiders just don't show up. You know, it's like it. You know, um, Daryl Baxter, who's been on this podcast, has often said that you know how they scared the shit out of them when playing the original games, and as much as he they did. He was kind of disappointed that they weren't there, you know, in in the remakes. And, yeah, it's just they're weird omissions for me. That, that you're trying to sort of push the narrative more into what, yeah, the zombies and the monsters and the freaks and stuff. You could have put them in there. It wouldn't have hurt, you know. You know, I think that that's the, the downside of remakes is the potential for there to be omissions mm-hmm. that overall for whatever reason they're omitted, it's like not only does it dampen on fans of the franchise's nostalgia for the original, but at the same time, there's no reason that you should be depriving a new generation of experiencing something that yeah. was a very uh, integral part of people's experience with the original, right? Mm. I mean, that was the same with me when I played Resident Evil 2. I was like, where the hell are they? And that was such a terrifying part of the game when I played it as a kid, and I still hate spiders and whatnot. <laughs> so... To go back and play it and them to be omitted, I was like, I had the same uh, reaction as Daryl. And, you know, overall, it doesn't make me stop me from enjoying it oh, no. and really seeing it as a triumph in terms of a remake. But at the same time, it's like, it's such an odd thing that could furthermore, you know, terrify a whole new generation of gamers and things of that nature. Um, which, you know, again, I think in terms of the remakes we've gotten, it's been beneficial the fact that. The people that have been helming those remakes with something as, you know, a pillar of the horror genre as Resident Evil is, it's always going to get the attention it deserves. Yeah. You know, say what you want about the third one. But at the end of the day, I don't know that other, whether it be horror or otherwise, games that might get remade will have that luxury of having people involved yeah. that so deeply understand the you know, the game from the ground up, as we said. Mm. And that is a worry, you know, with other games getting remade that don't get that same love um, behind them as the Resident Evil ones have. Yeah, yes. It, 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 it builds an expectation, whether you're remaking or trying to do something different you know, as a company. I think um, in terms of the modern space, I think of, you know, the Dead Space remake where, you know, you can be excited for it, but there's a very brutal history to that you know where unlike Capcom where people leave and that's understandable because years go by and so a remake not involving some of those people is understandable especially because people clamor for it the Dead Space one is cruel because they forced those devs to do something else that was outside their wheelhouse they pushed stuff on them that they didn't need to do as the games went on and then they got rid of them completely. And now someone else in that same company is remaking the game they made that made them famous, you know, and it, it kind of itches at you, you know, you don't like that aspect of it. Uh, and, you know, the tr- same would be true of any Silent Hill 
game now. You know, has, I mean, that's been true of Silent Hill ever since <laughs> the first three. You know, it, you are going to have people that didn't have involvement in the originals working on them now because time has gone by. But at least there, you can kind of respect the fact well they're not doing anything else with it then. Like at least they're not saying, "Well, we'll just keep pumping them out and hoping for the best." Now that they had that little period of it and realised that it didn't work, right. but yeah, what that's doing now with Dead Space doesn't doesn't sit well with me. And then I look at places like Tango GameWorks. You know, they keep trying to do different things, and every time they do something different, it doesn't get received well at first, and then they get the plot it's after when it's a bit too late for that and then maybe they'll get lucky now by being with Microsoft that they can just keep doing what they want and how they want and have the technology available to keep pushing their ideas but every game they make just seems to be like people think oh yeah we want this from it because of the people involved you know, and it doesn't turn out to be what they want and you've got to sort of have that basis between freedom and expectation and it's difficult at this point especially with remakes you know and pushing ideas beyond what we expect from especially from survival horror you know we, we can go further we can do different things it doesn't all have to be the same stuff we got 20 25 years ago and even in those remakes there's a balance to be made where you can show both sides of that. It's probably one of the most difficult balances a developer could encounter mm. in terms of, you know, juggling a fair amount of nostalgia while still making modern concessions that, again, don't rewrite the experience that was laid in stone, essentially, all those years later, a decade or more later, mm. uh, previously. And it's something that uh, you still have to be apprehensive about whenever you hear about a remake or a remaster coming out. Because you're fearful of what could be changed for the worse, yeah. but I don't know. It's the type of thing where, especially when I'm seeing things like you know, Quake stands out for that recent remaster of, you know, again, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt. I never played the original, but it seems about as perfect of a remaster as you could get. Mm. And I've got now two examples of Resident Evil remakes that are about as perfect as I think they could be. The you know, being Resident Evil One and uh, Resident Evil Two. And it just ma- it makes me hopeful, but at the same time, with anything that doesn't have nearly as much notoriety or rather uh, fandom behind it as those, which it's like, well, if these franchises aren't getting the attention and the love that they deserve in a remake, imagine the fucking uproar that would come out of that. I just fear then for franchises that aren't lesser, but maybe don't have the same fandom well, yeah. behind them or expectations that... You get somebody that comes in and they're like, well, you know, we could just make a bunch of changes and then it's not in line with the original experience. Yeah, I mean, the most notorious of that in recent years was Alone in the Dark, where, you know, it had been juggled from place to place to place (laughs) and the last one was neither in the dark nor seeing you alone. So it's like, I mean, (laughs) you couldn't misunderstand the series worse than that. And subsequently, it was an awful game and, you know, notoriously so. But yeah that that was very much a situation where it had been handed from place to place to place and it was it was a product for people you know and 
that's where the danger always lies is when something just is a product and you have no association anywhere in your studio about it you know it's like or you have lip service to it you know really the core of these things have to have some involvement with the original people if you're gonna do something similar if not be brave do the something interesting with it and actually be a fan of what you're doing would help i'd imagine that's as true in games as it is in movies you know you can remake stuff or reimagine it but have something to say you know with it and right. that, that captures something about the original but in a new and exciting way and the resident evil remake is testament to that you know it does that with old and new people alike. Perfectly said as always, and we'll have to uh, circle back around for Dead Space when we uh, inevitably get that next year at some point, but be uh, interesting to see how that one turns out. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Resident Evil Remake is one that is definitely an example of being something that I think for us is the definitive version of an experience that we were both you know, taken with in different ways in the original. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And it sets a perfect benchmark for, I think, what people should expect of remakes. But uh, yeah, as always, Neil, it is a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. I can, yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>